Thank you for listening to this artist talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, Tamara Dean discusses her work on display in the 2018 Adelaide Biennial of Australian Art, Divided Worlds. This exhibition is showing until the 3rd of June 2018. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you, everyone, for coming along today. Um, I guess, there's a, I, I feel like there's a few aspects of this work that I'd like to point out at this point. Um, so this is a multi-sensory installation. I have, um, I collaborated with uh, a sound artist, David Kirkpatrick, to create a soundscape for this work, which you can see and feel uh, if you bring your attention to it and also a scentscape by Ainsley Walker. So uh, over the course of your time in the room, you might catch two different scents which come to play. Uh, one is a very, uh, a scent that's evocative of the river, of moss, of rain coming. It, it's a smell that you will, you'll be able to make those associations. And the other one is a very human, sort of sweaty, sweet smell. And uh, these, all of these factors, along with the image, for those who can see it reflected in the water, come together for me to, to create a work that, um, that is very symbolic of a part of, um, of, a, of life. So a, a few years ago, or a number of years ago, I, I did a photographic series called The Edge. And for that series, I invited, um, I asked teenagers in both Australia and in upstate New York to take me to places that they would go with their friends in, in the forest. And um, I guess these things being the, the, the sort of rock jumps and the rope swings and the grottos and the places that once teenagers get that, that bit of freedom uh, are often drawn to, to kind of forge their own experiences and their own, uh, what I see as rites of passage. So, this photograph I actually took at that point in time, but for me the, the symbolism of this figure um, is very representative of that, that time in life where there is a sense of feeling indestructible and, uh, and testing your limits and jumping into the void. And, um, and so I wanted to do something special with that particular image that built a little bit more into the experience of viewing it. So, uh, so I set myself this sort of challenge and um, it took a number of years and a number of different ways of experimenting uh, to come up with uh, this reflective um, device that created um, there's a reflection of this figure in the water. Um, and what I found was through some testing, um, Projecting an image onto the water actually meant that it sat on the top and it sort of didn't have a sense of integration. Whereas when um, there's this reflected, reflected dynamic, the, the figure actually goes deep. It, it, it appears to be deep. And the effect that that is once he's surrounded by black is that he's sort of jumping into a bottomless void. And I guess what's really special for me about this work is not only is it for me, uh, representative of that time of being a teenager, but also uh, it, it almost um, elevates beyond that to the feeling of any 
terrifying or scary or challenging situation that you might find yourself in life where you're taking a plunge. And the, the combined effect of this pulse that you'll hear building, the, the smells and that sense of release, um, for me that it embodies that feeling as much as that experience. Um, this work has a lot of different things that have come into play and it's very hard for me to look at it new. So I would ask for questions from, from you guys at any point in time um, because I, I'm interested in what you find interesting about it too. Uh, so is there anyone just to to help move my thought process along that has any questions that could be interesting? I'm going to kick off. Yeah, and then I'll repeat anybody's question because we're recording everything today. So if you love what you've experienced and you want to share it with friends, just go to our website and you can hear all of the artists who have missed something. I'm interested in your story. If we go into the kind of autobiography, I know this work emerged from dual experiences as an adult, but it also chimes with your own adolescence. Yes, do you want to talk to that? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I uh, when I finished high school, um, I guess I, I, as most 18-year-olds growing up in Australia, you get to 18 and suddenly you can go to the park or, you know, the, the rites of passages, the rites of passage that were kind of brought up to, to feel other things to do, it didn't really sit so well with me. I didn't really enjoy that process and I felt like there was something else that I wanted to seek and I sort of, I set off, um, I guess on my own, I wouldn't have called it a pilgrimage, but I guess like on my own pilgrimage of sorts. And I'd go uh, to, I guess, festivals and to places that would take me out into the bush. And um, and I'd challenge myself uh, to, I guess, to show, I guess I wanted to, sh to prove that I had strength uh, for some reason, that was important to me. And so uh, I suppose there's one particular experience where I went to Israel and I went to a festival out in the forest. And uh, I went and set up a, well, I had no tent. I just set up a spot under a tree and made a little circle of rocks and slept out under the stars by myself. And for me, that was the most terrifying thing I could do. <laughs> And, um, and so it was a, a formative experience for me and something that I felt um, I pushed myself beyond my limits. And I guess we all have our own sense of what, though, have, have our own experiences like that. Um, often it's, you know, fueled by, often the context of this one where we've got a rope jump or a rock, rock jump or a rope swing and you've got, you know, you've got peer pressure and there's often people tell me these anecdotes about where they grow up and um, there's sort of, you get to 13 and there's a rock you jump off and then there's the rock you get to when you're 15 and, you know, that peer pressure of proving yourself in front of people. Um, and actually, while I was photographing that series, The Edge, when I first started, I, um, I, I just, I had a son and a daughter, but I, most of my work until then was very uh, feminine and had young women, and that was the majority of who I photographed. Uh, and when I had my son, I sort of realised that the beauty of boys and this sort of, I grew up with sisters, and so I didn't really have that experience of boys. So it opened up my mind to how I might challenge myself to photograph boys and young men. And 
So I put a call out uh, on social media to, for the young, sorry, 18-year-old guys around that age, and I had not a single one respond, but lots of mothers and sisters and um, girlfriends putting their, their uh, siblings or whatever it is forward. And, um, and so I went on this, um, actually with Joan Ross, uh, her, his, her son um, was part of this. And I went down with him and his friends uh, to a, the bottom of a waterfall in, um, in the Blue Mountains. And I was photographing the boys going through these sort of motions of jumping off this rock. And, and they were all at the bottom of this sort of waterfall. And, and I just suddenly felt this shift in the energy. And I looked up and this girl who had come like in a different social circle had come and she was at the top about to jump. And suddenly the, the kind of energy of the whole thing changed and it just became really energised and exciting. And, um, and I just thought, oh my goodness, how can I deny this series, you know, that, that sort of expression of teenagehood. And um, so, I don't know what my point was, but um, great story. <laughs> but yeah, it... Um, it, it meant, I, I guess I broadened that particular series to include young women and men. And the work that you'll see at the Botanic Gardens, Tamara has just worked her magic in that she has gained the trust of people of all ages, all walks of life, who have become your active conduits, in a sense, for the making of meaning and for really, I think, burnishing our receptivity to nature, the power of nature. I think that's what the series does yeah. for us. This is the idea of the image, the screen, the projection. There is obviously a relationship with photography. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just talk about that in terms of pushing from the 2D, from the photographic into the sensorial yeah. and what that has meant? Absolutely. Uh, so, I guess I, the feedback I used to get with my um, two-dimensional photographs, and still do, is that it's almost a sense that you could, the viewer is part of the image. You look in and you're a part of that scene. You sort of feel like you're, you're in that conversation. And um, I just, I don't know, I just really wanted to build on that experience and start, when I'm out in the bush, wherever it is, whatever series, there is just so much more to that experience than the two-dimensional one for me. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel it pains, like pains that I can't, or well, I haven't previously been able to bring more of that experience to the, to the viewing. And, um, and so that, I, it kind of, the leap from two-dimensional to this sort of installation work, it seemed impossible to me, actually. I had no idea how I would do it, how you did it. Mm. And I had this, uh, I had this lecturer in my first year of uni, Simone Douglas, who I've remained in contact with for the last 20 years. And she was over from New York, and I was talking to her. How does it? How did this happen? That transition from the, you know, the 2D to the, the big installations. And she said, you just. So just make something, just make a little model and we got a couple of odd bits of things around to try and make the model of what I had in my head and she said, and just invite people into the back garden. And that, just that key to just the, the immediacy and the, the sort of social aspect of mm -hmm. that being accessible, 
it opened up an entirely new way of working for me. And um, yeah, it was pivotal, really. Uh, yeah. Questions from the audience? Yes, I'm going to bring you the microphone. I'm just reflecting on your story about camping out there in Israel with these rocks around your tent and going over an edge. Yes. And then going to upstate New York to work with uh, young people and hear their stories. And somehow this is reflective of you and how this piece brings those experiences together. I'm just thinking yeah. about that. Thank you. It was interesting because when I did go to, um, I was doing a residency at a place called Art Omai, that's why I was in upstate New York. And, um, and I, there were 30 other artists from all around the world at this residency. And so I took it as an opportunity to, um, I took a 15 minute interview with each of them about why, what nature meant to them and whether, whether they were drawn to go there, whether it was what, why they went there, what they did when they were there. And, um, and the majority of people uh, said that for them, it was a spiritual experience, but not in a sort of um, transcendent sort of experience, more in that it gave them the opportunity to arrive in the here and now and to be disconnected to technology and to be immersed in the senses, the smell and the sounds. And that, that's what I actually, that's what made me do that installation, which I called Here and Now, which was all about bringing, bringing you into the moment. Um, and that was, a, that was an amazing exercise, and I guess showed me that, I don't know, it's just really important in my work for me that I'm making that constant link back to nature being a good experience. Because I think as people become, in, become integrated into uh, cities that are very urban, um, that the, the, uh, my fear really is that people become afraid of nature. And if you start to see it as so separate that you're afraid of it, then where, where are we left? Um, and I just think that encouraging people to remember that that is a beautiful place or a beautiful space to be um, and to value that and to value it for all of the reasons it's a space that teenagers can go that's there's got no handrails and they can test their limits and yes it can be dangerous but it's also um, you know if you most most kids survive that and uh, that that the experience of it becomes a part of the fabric of, of who you are and what you bring to the next generation wonderful I've got two more questions over here you may have just answered my question, um, but I was going to draw on the last comment and to focus on, you talked about the fear of going to Israel and how that was so vital to you. And I was interested in how do you see that experience now? Because obviously your work is still about teenagers who mm. have no sense of fear, but in the sort of decades since, how do you, how do you feel about that, I guess? Oh, I, I don't know if I'm interpreting your question the right way, but for me, the experiences that I sought out then in nature, I seek in my work, my art making. And this, this for me was a, um, a, I wouldn't say risky, but it was terrifying because it's a, it's a huge undertaking. I'd, I'd, I'd worked this principle out um, 
that I thought on a small scale would work and then to elevate it to this bigger scale was always, I had to, with UAP who designed this urban art projects, um, we had to build the entire thing and until it was what it is, it was not able to be tested at that size. So this is jumping off a cliff for me. <laughs> Um, and uh, like I, I had faith in, in the, that it would work, but you know, that it, it's also even having it in front of everyone and it being that's a, that's terrifying as well. So it's I have different challenges that I set myself now. Yeah. feeling myself in this place, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I'm really interested in the fence, I, I guess more than anything. I've been shutting my eyes and, and I feel like I'm in the space. Mm. Um, and I'm really intrigued by the two scents, having both scents, and did you get that the day you went down there? And did, you, did you smell that just straight away, feel that feeling straight away, and that's something that stayed with you and then you've created this work? So, because I've played with scents <coughs> myself, but I only ever the one, but I'm intrigued in your two. So yeah, I think the choice of two was um, with my previous installation here and now I'd had that scent of nature and I guess by having the scent which is um, more representative of the human figure I'm trying to bring those elements together so it's almost like um, you, you actually the positioning of this second human scent is, is in this corner and it's it resonates with the figure and the, the natural the river scent is over there and so by once you're in the space for a long time if it's just the one scent you, you can tend to lose track of it but by having the alternating alternating scents you then are tuned in and you tune in and out of it um, they are quite subtle uh, because I didn't want it to interfere with everyone else's work. So if you can't smell them at the moment, it's really a matter of just sort of sitting with it. And there are different places in the room that they're stronger. Mm. And another question. Fabulous. Well, that was just so wonderful. Thank you. It was like um, going bush with you. And that like I said, you're taking us with you just to remind you to make sure you get to have the experience of the work resolving for you. It's such a beautiful work to come back to when there are not 90 people in the room as well. So I'd love to encourage you to do that. And of course, remind you to come to the Museum of Economic Botany tomorrow. Can I ask you to join me in congratulating tomorrow? Thank you.